So in our text, God says, I love the stranger. So you shall also love the stranger because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Well, they were actually slaves in the land of Egypt, which adds a horrific layer to their identity. Love the stranger because you were strangers. Maybe you're familiar with what it's like to be a stranger. Webster's Dictionary defines a stranger as uh, one who is strange, <laughs> such as a foreigner, a resident alien, um, a, a person who is unknown, a, a person who does not belong, someone who's kept from activities of a group, a person who is not native to a community, an outsider. Strangers are usually people that we avoid for lots of different reasons. And uh, Mama always said, don't talk to strangers. Um, we leave them alone. Maybe you know what it's like to be a stranger. I was a stranger in Palembang, Indonesia. Now, I don't have a lot of memories because my parents went there when I was two. But there's one memory that I can still feel as if it were yesterday. I was five. And I was the only kid with white skin in my kindergarten class. I don't remember what the teacher said, but I do remember that everyone was laughing. Everyone. All of the teachers in the class. All of the students. I remember that it didn't matter that it was a really cool classroom, that all along the edge were these sandboxes with all of these toys. It's interesting that I have no memory of having a friend in that class. Surely I did. I knew what it was like to be a stranger when I started middle school. Now I know that middle school in and of itself, it's strange. <laughs> but at the Cherokee High School, which included middle schoolers like me, um, the color of my skin once again uh, made me feel like a foreigner. And as a 12-year-old, I really couldn't understand why it was so hard for me to belong and why it was so difficult and why there was such venom thrown in my direction, not by everyone, but by lots of my fellow students. Well, I, I finally did understand. And what I came to understand was that the problem was, was centuries old and deeply rooted to the fact that people with the color of my skin landed on their shores and took everything that the Cherokee held dear. Well, sitting in science lab in front of a microscope, Sammy Walkenstick comes over and he takes the seat next to mine and he said, hey, uh, you want to be my lab partner? 
you want to dissect a fetal pig? And I said, yeah. Yeah, I do. And I was no longer a stranger in a foreign land. Um, I had a friend. I married a Florida girl and eventually took her to Lithuania. She agreed to it. <laughs> but uh, going from uh, life in Florida to the North Pole, um, it was challenging at first. We went to a place that was a frozen tundra. We didn't know the language. We couldn't communicate with anyone. I remember the missionaries there uh, on our first day, they wanted to take us on the bus and show us where the, the shopping was and so that we would be able to, to get there on our own and, and be able to get all the things that we needed. But it was so cold when we tried to launch out on our own a week later. The, the windows in the public bus were frozen I, from the inside, and I was scratching a little place to look out. We, we had to try to determine on this 30-minute bus ride when was our stop. I remember that on the buses, we were kind of ignored. We would get these strange looks because we were strangers. We weren't from there. And the buses were quiet anyway, though. And I think that was just a carryover from um, the old Soviet days. So in retrospect, they were suspicious of each other, too. But it didn't take long, especially because we were connected with the church, that we were received as friends. And life in that frozen place was actually very warm. In our text, from Deuteronomy. It's a familiar text. Starts with a, a really important question. So now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Doesn't that like put you on the edge of your seat when you hear stuff like that in the Bible? What is it that God wants? What is it that God requires? And then the next word is the word only. Like, what does God require of you? Well, it's only this. And so, like, you're starting to feel excited. And, and then you read the litany of things. Well, fear God. Walk in all God's ways. Love, serve, keep all God's commandments and decrees. And I'm like, okay, only that. <laughs> and I think that sometimes can be how it feels uh, for us as we try to live faithful. It's like they just feel like there's so many things we got to do, so many decrees and commandments we have to keep. Walk in all God's ways. I thought about that. I was like, walk like God. That's what that's saying. How does God walk? What are God's ways? Well, verse 18 says that God executes justice for the orphan and for the widow, God loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. I love the stranger, God says. So you shall love the stranger too, because you are strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, the, the Hebrew word for stranger, uh, the one that's used in our text, is garum. And, and it's used most often in the Bible for people who are a diff different geographical place, uh, a different cultural group than, than the dominant cultural group, uh, and 
whose rights of property, marriage, a participation in, in community life, jurisdiction, cult, and war, like all of those things have been restricted or limited. They're outsiders. The most appropriate translation for, for this word in most occurrences is immigrant or resident alien. And so in the Bible, when, when the word jerem is used, it's often mentioned alongside other disenfranchised or powerless people, like the poor, like slaves, the, the widows, the orphans, people who are really in serious need. Now, the New Testament um, points us in a similar direction. In fact, when Matthew teaches about righteousness, in the parable that we mentioned a couple weeks ago, in Matthew chapter 25, um, he's really reflecting um, our passage from, from Deuteronomy 10, that, that Yahweh, or, or God, loves the disenfranchised and marginalized groups, and that God uh, provides for their basic physical needs. And like we said a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about you know, friendship with God, um, Matthew says we're to love strangers because by doing this, we're loving Jesus, whose identity is wrapped into the stranger. Well, Paul writes in his letter to the, to the Romans this verse, um, contribute to the needs of the saints, pursue hospitality to strangers. I put the word pursue in bold um, because I don't know that, that we usually think about it that way. I mean, I think most often we wait for the stranger to come to us. The stranger shows up at our door. The stranger shows up at our, our street corner, and then we're suddenly surprised to see them there in their need. But this word pursue it makes it something quite different. So I, I don't know if you've heard our Friendship House origin story. We talk about the Friendship House uh, a good bit around here. Um, but the origin story, it's, it's worth hearing. It's, it's a good story to know. And I'm sure I probably don't have all the details right, but I got the gist of it. Uh, two of our staff members, uh, Kara Scyther and Matthew Blackburn, uh, they began dreaming. And their dreams revolved around our passage, really. That God's heart is for the people who are disenfranchised, who are marginalized, um, who are powerless in so many ways, who are vulnerable. Um, and thinking about those folks in our community, they're like, what can we do? How can we be the church for them? And so um, in this process of dreaming, they realized that our old parsonage, which became the Friendship House, which became, a, a, once the pastor and family moved out, a place where Sunday school classes could meet, where storage was happening in this, in this place, um, recovery groups were meeting there, and the rest of the space wasn't being used. Anyway, long story short, uh, the dream was to have a Saturday morning hot breakfast for our unsheltered neighbors and they would have an opportunity to take showers and to get cleaned up, to meet some of the basic needs of people. This group of people 
um, they didn't have access to, to some of these things. So all the preparations were made. I'm sure other people, some of you volunteers, uh, came alongside them. Um, and um, the first Saturday morning Friendship House breakfast was launched. Well, this was the problem. Nobody showed up. I don't remember how it was advertised. I don't remember how uh, the word was put out there. But clearly, it wasn't enough. For some reason, nobody came. So what do they do? They grab the church van keys, and they drive to Frog Level, and drive around town, and they find people, and they load the vans up, and they bring them to our friendship house, where there was a hot meal, and where there was a hot shower, and where there was friendship. A stranger walked into our house uh, early on Saturday morning. He helped himself to the coffee pot, sat down at his table. His appearance uh, unsettled me a bit, uh, but I was determined to get his name, so I approached the table and sat down. He told me that he had just gotten out of prison. His smile was contagious. His spirit was gentle. And his testimony... His story that he shared with me re revealed a deep determination uh, that uh, this time around his life was going to move on a, a different path. Um, tears began to form in his eyes, which helped me know that he was uh, genuinely grateful uh, for uh, all that he was experiencing. He was genuinely grateful uh, for a home like ours, grateful that there was a, a, a place at our table for someone like him. Well, at 8 o'clock sharp, the Friendship House chefs start wheeling in the hot breakfast, and this stranger immediately knew that he had a friend, a bunch of them, actually. And he knew that he was not alone. And, and I suppose... That's the reason I ha our house has been so full lately. On that day, the Friendship House was uh, so full of hungry souls that the kitchen crew had to fry up extra scrambled eggs. They had to, to get uh, some more hash browns. Uh, the shower sign-up list, it was running off the bottom of the page. Uh, the courtyard was teeming with life pockets of conversation all over the place on a beautiful Saturday morning. And all of this before our food pantry had, had even opened. And at one point I was standing on the sidewalk just, just taking in all this activity and this conversation. I, I was amazed at the, at the number of strangers and how many new people were coming. And it was my turn to have tears in my eyes because God has blessed this place. And I know that the blessing comes from you. It comes through you. You are committed to friendship with strangers. And your love makes everyone feel at home. So strangers, newcomers, old timers alike, they all know that in this place, they can find a friend. Uh, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in chapter 2. So then remember 
that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off has, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. Amen.